Welcome to the Fourth and Inches College Podcast. Ladies and gents, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, and what another week of college football it was. Week 12 of the uh, the NCAA college football season is in the books. And there were some crackers this week, some real upsets. Yeah, we don't know where to start. Well, we know where to start. We'll start with uh, saying hello. Hope you've had a good week. Hope your team's picked up the all-important wins at the weekend. And as per usual, uh, a little rundown of the hosts with myself, as always, Nick Loth. We have Tristan Watkin. Hey, guys. And from the flagship show, the Roger Goodgrows podcast, and many more, it's Sukti Cooney. <laughs> Hi, guys. You're right. <laughs> so, oh, right. We've got a jam-packed build schedule for you all. So, yeah, let's uh, kick off with some headlines. So, with the race for the college football playoffs is starting to heat up well and truly, and one surprise name that could make it this year, if they're a little bit lucky, is the Cincinnati Bearcats. They are unbeaten this season, remain unbeaten after a tight but important win against UCF at the Bounce House in Orlando, Florida. Uh, probably the Bearcats' toughest test so far, but they came out with a W. So do they realistically have a chance of, of, of cracking that top four? Uh, will, will, will things play on their side? We don't know. We'll, we'll chat that over. And one of the stories, probably the story of the Big Ten football season so far, Northwestern. They remain unbeaten and I don't know how many of us saw this coming. They beat Wisconsin, uh, who struggled to uh, to withstand the Northwestern offense. Nebraska succumbed to it a few weeks ago, and uh, Wisconsin went the same way. We'll also talk uh, go for the thrills and spills out of the key games around Week Twelve of the college football season, including Purdue against Minnesota, Kentucky played Alabama, Florida went up against uh, winless Vanderbilt, UCLA took on the two and zero Oregon Ducks. Mississippi State faced Georgia, Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma in the battle of supremacy in uh, the Sooner State. Uh, USC against Utah, Utah off the back of their fantastic 2019 season that took them to the Rose Bowl, I believe. Uh, they played for the first time, taking on the 2-0 Trojans. And Michigan, oh, woeful Michigan, went to Rutgers. Uh also, we look at our key players of the week, which guys impressed us the most across all of college football. We take you through the winners and losers in this week's AP rankings. Uh, there's one new team in the top 25 for the first time uh, for many weeks, actually. Um, we'll let you know who that is a little later. Our discussion topic of the week, we talk rivalries. There's some huge games coming up this weekend. We look at what are the biggest rivalries in college football. Who can lay a claim? To the, to the biggest, biggest uh, derby game, as we call it in the UK, uh, in college football. But first, on the agenda, uh, the game of the Big Ten weekend, 
was Ohio State against Indiana. Many many fans, pundits, had Indiana uh, causing potentially a bit of an upset, pushing uh, Ohio State close at the shoe. Michael Penix, Penix has been doing a fantastic job at the helm, and the Hoosiers are looking a formidable team, but they came up just short as uh, the Buckeyes held out, and two un- unlikely, uncharacteristic uh, picks from Jason Fields. Jason Fields? Justin Fields. Wow, it's one of those days. Um, but yeah, fantastic game. Um, wh- where do we start? Indiana. Did, did, did they now have the respect that they've longed for for a long time, or did, did, a, did a win need to do that? In you guys' opinions, they got my respect to be honest. After that game, um, literally, yeah, I was not expecting this. I mean, I, I, I believe them in, on defense, um, but obviously, it was always going to be tough against you know an, a higher state team. But yeah, for, for me, they won me over big time, and I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I know others. Obviously, one of you guys had you know it being a closer game, but I just didn't see it being that way at all. So, yeah. So, I, I will say one thing before we let Tristan jump in. Is, um, I listen to uh, uh, a podcast, a really, sorry, a podcast, a YouTube channel, a really great YouTube channel um, uh, called Corn Crazed, uh, which is about Nebraska, but they also talk Big Ten football. And Connor, who runs it, uh, does a great job. And he had uh, a guest on, he has a guest a few times um, to talk Big Ten football and the week's fixtures. A guy called uh, Jake Freud. Uh, I don't know where Jake's fr- from or what he does, but I know, I think he's, he is, um, well, anyway, he's a guest and he seems to be in the know. And he said, so before the week one of the Big Ten football season, that the Hoosiers are going to be the lead team to watch this year. He's a big Hoosiers by himself and um he said, you know, Michael Penix is the real deal. They've got talent at both ends of the ball. And he's and he is not surprised whatsoever about their 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 rise. So I really should have maybe seen this. But you know what, everyone says that. And we're talking the Indiana yeah. Hoosiers who are on on a team usually to be feared. But he he knew this. And so maybe we've all had our heads in the sand a little bit. Yeah, we've not seen much of Penix, have we? I think he had um from what I understand, he had a few injuries as well, so he's not played too much um, at all. You know, so, so he's an unknown quantity. I think he was a four-star recruit, but he's not sort of had that game time. So yeah, for us, it was obviously a massive surprise, but a very pleasant one to to be honest. Well, that's I think the first winning record. Speaking to yourself. Well, I'm leaving you purposely for the end because we're talking from more of a surprising position. But yeah, last season they, I didn't really sneakily. They had a sneaky eight and five season last year, and actually finished uh, in the twenty-five of the AP rankings. But they've not had a winning season since 1994. Um, before last season, so Tom Allen has slowly but surely been doing a, a good job with this team. But Tristan, you weren't surprised because you actually had them if, on our scores and the doors to, to to stun Ohio State. Not quite. I think you were a little bit ambitious, but you don't seem too surprised by this Hoosiers team, do you? 
No, um, I, I sort of looked at them last year. They showed some good things last year. Like you say, decent record. And they they just started this year playing really good defence and doing enough on offence to to get results. And, you know, I know Penn State are bad, um, but Penn State were pre-season ranked top 10 team. They they just looked competitive. They don't, they weren't getting blown out at all. They were getting close in games and, you know, Penix was looking good. They've got some uberly good talent, you know, in the receiver position. That defence, like I said, is brilliant. And I just hadn't felt like those high State had been tested. And I had a good feeling about Indiana. I thought they had the pieces to, to cause the upset. And if I watched the entirety of this game, if Indiana, with the first two turnovers, had done something with them, I think this game could have been very different. The first two turnovers came early in the game when it was still close and and it wasn't Ohio State being great on defense that held them. They were getting enough pressure from the front to force the throw to be just a little underneath or over where it needed to be. And Panix just wasn't feeling his way in the game. A bit of nerves were there. And then Ohio State were able to build a buffer from that. But they, I, I was really unimpressed. I was more unimpressed with Ohio State than I think I've been about any team this year. Justin Fields, you said it was two, it was three interceptions he had in this game. It was his worst game as a, um, you know, a collegiate quarterback so far. He went 18 of 30 passing for 300 yards. They were relying on the ground game, Ohio State, to, to get through this game because Justin Fields just couldn't get it done. And I know, again, I'm not the biggest fan of Ohio State. I do enjoy bashing them a little bit. Um, but, First time Justin Fields has tested this year, doesn't look good. How does that hold up in the playoffs? That's something we're going to have to see a little later on in the year. I truly feel that Indiana could have won this game if things had gone a little bit differently for them. I think Ohio State were lucky to squeak out with the win. I didn't realise he threw a third pick, just putting out. Yeah, there. I didn't realise it. Mm. Yeah, three picks from Justin Fields. Mm. That is a worry, isn't it, for Fields? Is that, how do you think that affects his stock now going forward. Lawrence has had those type of games yeah. though, hasn't he? You can, al- you can allow a game like that. Um, you look at, speaking of Trevor Lawrence, the media really got on his back when uh, it was mm. last year, I believe. He threw a couple of dodgy picks in that game and just didn't look great. And, you know, that was everyone jumping on him. He's not the messiah anymore. Mm. And Jackson Fields, for some reason, just got a little bit of a pass like oh it's Indiana yeah. I'm pretty sure that it'll be brought up in the interview so when he goes for his interviews you but, know some of these head coaches are going to really scrutinise him on these games and, and ask him you know what, what he could have done better I'd love yeah. to see him and John Gruden have a conversation about it put it that way fair play to you he might not be after him but Lawrence has not thrown three picks in one game yeah you know Lawrence hasn't thrown three picks in a game yeah um, is is one thing to say in in the team team Trevor camp, uh, but I don't I don't think it's going to be too much of a blemish on Justin Fields. It's the only thing that's probably more concerning is, you know, late in the game against Clemson in the playoff last year, he couldn't get it done. He's played a good defense in Indiana, can't get it done. If it becomes a trend that in the big game he starts to struggle. That's when it becomes a worry. But, you know, everyone has an off week. He was off the, they had a bye week the week before. You can sort of forgive. You know, Indiana would have been up for it as well. It's it's one of those that if you're Justin Fields, you just 
you're trying to figure out how his mistakes are made, work on them, and I'm sure he'll be throwing five touchdowns. So, uh, the Indiana defense as well, obviously had three picks and five sacks. Um, very nice. Very nice. Something that goes uh, underappreciated when we're just talking about the quarterbacks. And also, Indiana have my fav- one of my favorite name player in, in, in football, in their receiver. Uh, Wop Philia. What a name. <laughs> Wop. I, I mean, if that is actually his God-given name, or what is it, whatever you call it, or um, first name, Wop Philia. That's, uh, that's some What's your favourite, Tristan, out of interest? Oh, there's a... I don't know off the top of my head, to be fair. I've not ever oh. thought about it in too much detail. Oh. I've got I, over again. <laughs> There's a few that I could think of. I'll, I'll have yeah. to pick one. There's Storm, Storm Duck's my favourite. That Duck. was a pretty good name. That's a great yeah. name. That is a good name. Um, so, there is uh, Ohio State, they'll remain unbeaten. I look good for the top four. Uh, Indiana undoubtedly will be heading to their best uh, best season finish, possibly ever. I don't know what their their career records like, but I don't think they've. I don't know if they've ever finished in the top ten of college football, have they? No, they're a basketball school. Normally, Indiana they, they, they tend to have better basketball programs than they do football. So Tom Allen's doing the job there, and you know, absolutely got to give them all the credit. Spot yeah. on. Yeah, I don't think just out of interest they they have ever fin oh nineteen the nineteen sixty seven Hoosiers. So they're probably looking for their best season in what fifty fifty three years. So wow. Brilliant. Right, moving on. Uh and swiftly on to uh, a team that would be pushing for the top four if they were in maybe a tougher conference and maybe even staking a claim for themselves. Cincinnati Bearcats are now is it seven and oh? No. 8-0 right? 8-0 8-0 after their win against UCF uh, it was a close game uh, down in Florida uh, is, since he won it 36-33 to coming back from 14-3 down at the end of the first quarter uh, they, they stormed their way back into it in the second and uh, going into the fourth quarter it was uh, a three-point UCF lead but the Bearcats won out with a strong fourth quarter performance. Uh, I mean, I feel like I just don't want to pick on Tristan, but Tristan said the Bearcats were with this comfortably, and I thought this could have. This was to me a, a coin flip game because I just felt like UCF were up for this game, and I, you know, I really, really believe in their quarterback Dylan Gabriel. But I'm going to leave it open to Tristan first because he said he saw a big Bearcats win coming. What did you get from this game? Uh, Cincinnati slept, walked through the opening quarter, made the game look a little bit more close than it was ever going to be. I think the Bearcats' defense stiffened up after the first quarter. You look at the you look at the box score. UCF got fourteen points in the first quarter, then it was three, eight, and eight. Um, and Cincinnati had a really good second and fourth quarter by the looks of things. Um, box score wise, uh, UCF better than I expected. Um, you know, Devin Gabriel, a very very good quarterback. But I, I think it was, from what I've seen of this game, I've not watched the entire game. I watched a condensed version of the game. So, Nick, I know you watched this game 
very closely. So you might have a bit more insight. It just looked to me like Cincinnati started slow, didn't get into the game, allowed UCF some chances to keep it close. And then as the game progressed, Cincinnati started to show a bit more of what they're about. I think I think if Cincinnati had have pulled away in that second half, I would have said fair play. But they didn't look any better than the Knights, in my opinion. And I think UCF have a better offence than Cincinnati. I still do. I think they've got a better quarterback. Um, and I think they've got a better set of receivers. But I think the Bearcats' defence is so much better than the, the, the Knights' defence that there's there's a close there's 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 more, a closer distance between the two offenses than there is the defenses, and I think that's what what won out. Um, you know, again, the the players who needed to have big games were your were your Marlon Williams, who has the most receiving yards in college football this season. He did. Uh, G- Gabriel Gabriel threw the ball a lot. They didn't really rush it. Um, Otis Anderson. Uh, has been getting carrying the ball a lot this season, but he didn't really run it is much. He for them. Any relation, is he any relation to the former Giants running back? I don't, I don't think so. Same um, position as well. I was just a bit curious, actually. Just uh, yeah, out of interest. I don't think so, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that. I think the Bearcats, the Bearcats just seem to. I think when you're a team that's seven and zero, it just it just breeds confidence. And in the sort of mm. trickiest positions, when you're losing, um, UCF just couldn't shake them off. And they had a chance towards the end, um, but it's since you're making a really good call, a really good push for throwing their name into a hat. For um, that full spot, and give what happened. You want to give but... uh, Desmond Ritter credit? I mean, he's um, he seems to be getting better week on week um, as a quarterback. I think earlier on in the season, I know we mm-hmm. talk about them being undefeated. I do recall him having one really, really bad game where he threw a couple of picks, and uh, they weren't very impressive. So he he's come on a lot more better now in the last few games, and a lot more consistency in his game. He's not throwing. Um, you know, too many sort of you know dead balls out there, not throwing too many picks either, and he's also getting a couple of rushing touchdowns as well. So he looks pretty pretty confident to me. Um, but like you said, with with the Bearcats, it's their schedule, isn't it? I mean, they got Temple and Tulsa. I mean, they're not going to really get you up that um, not going to really get you up that uh, ladder, are they? So to speak, unless had maybe you know a higher state maybe lost. This week to Indiana, maybe a different story. But, yeah, it's it's going to be very hard for them to push for that top four now, isn't it? Uh, just like you said, because of who they're playing. It, it is. It is, yeah. I think um, I think there's, I think we spoke about, imagine if we could extend college yeah. football playoffs and stuff like that, and Cincinnati would be the team that we Yeah, this pick, is why you have it. Um, for to... Teams like the Bearcats, BYU... Even Indiana, you know, teams like these teams have done really well and been competitive. But then you also got to think, you know, has maybe COVID played a part in, you know, some teams not performing well. So it, I, th- I think this year as a one-off, it would have been the perfect time to 
sort of do something about it, you know, because of everything that's going on. It's the perfect excuse, wasn't it, to have that kind of season where you had, you know, more than four teams in a playoff. But, you know, what can you do? Exactly. Just throwing out there, um, on the other side of the ball, it's always nice to talk about players who are doing well. Dylan Gabriel, uh, 26 touchdowns and three picks. He's got 17 touchdowns, so just one pick in his last five games. He is a sophomore as well, so he's still got potentially two more years in college. Um, quite a talent, isn't he? The the Hawaiian, the Hawaiian uh, prodigy prospect. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. But yeah, so um, moving on swiftly, we now talk about uh, back to the Big Ten and Northwestern. What a story it has been. So we're talking about Indiana and how they're doing well. Uh, they had their, their first winning season since 1994 last season with Peyton Ramsey at the helm. But Peyton Ramsey was given pretty much the old heave-ho when they told them Michael Penix was going to be starting next season. And he transferred over to Northwestern. And uh, he's done a pretty good job um, over in Chicago. They took on Wisconsin with Wisconsin uh, favourites to make it 3-0 and on the season. Uh, they uh, Wisconsin had previously discarded Michigan and Illinois to a combined uh, 94 points to 18, um, which is very impressive for conference football. But they only mustered seven points in the whole game as the Wildcats defence, the stout Wildcats defence, uh, won out with a 17-7 win. Um, Jens, no one had the uh, the Wildcats to win this one. In uh, last week's score, even Nebraska got thirteen uh, against uh, Northwestern. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, what can we say? I mean, it clearly wasn't the run game that was working for North for, for Northwestern because no one had more than thirteen yards, which is what mainly gashed Nebraska. But Peyton Ramsey threw for only two hundred yards and two touchdowns. So clearly, mm-hmm. it's that defense. Yeah. Three picks. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot to it just it Mertz didn't have a good day for Wisconsin. You know, that defense really flustered him. I, I, you know, I saw the scores on the doors. I thought Wisconsin may be the most complete team in that division from what I saw already doors. It did not look like mm. themselves in this game. Uh didn't get a rush over a hundred yards, couldn't really get anything going in the passing game. And it wasn't a high-scoring affair. And I think, you know, Wisconsin's defence, you know, Northwestern are a good team. Holding them to 17 points is not bad. You know, that's not bad on a defence that's probably had it, had its back against the wall quite a lot, considering the situations that their offence was putting them in, free picks from Mertz, you know. But they only got 17 points, as good as Northwestern's defence was. I just didn't see the same Wisconsin team. They just... They couldn't get anything going offensively, and I think it just shows, it shows they only got seven points. But that could that's just really good game planning there by Northwestern. Um, they've got some big time players on defense that you'll be hearing their names called in drafts. Um, you know, in the future, linebacker Fisher, Paddy Fisher, Paddy, yeah. Paddy Fisher I, I, yeah, I, you know, has NFL potential. Um, 
I can't remember the name of the DB, but they've got a really good lockdown DB who might be draft eligible soon that's, you know, going to be doing really good bits. So Northwestern aren't mm. a pushover of the team. And I think they just came into the game with the better game plan, knowing that their defence was what was going to have to win them this game. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I wanted to say, I can't remember if I said it or not, or I just thought it, and I promise you, if I did just thought it, I did actually think it, was you saying how you thought um, Wisconsin were more of a complete team than anyone in the conference. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. At every position, they're a complete team apart from one, which is, in my opinion, the most... Well, sorry, my opinion. It's my opinion that I don't think they are complete in this area. And it is the most important position in, in football. It's the quarterback. Mertz had a fantastic opening game against Illinois. Um, but he didn't particularly impress me against Michigan and he was very poor against Northwestern. Mm. So I don't think they've had their quarterback situation sorted out whatsoever. I mean, Mertz wasn't even going to be the star this season. Um, they had their, their starting quarterback. Is it, I keep thinking his name, is it Jack Doan? Doan, Jack yeah. Cone? Mm. I don't know what he's called. Yeah, Doan. Joan, that's it. Jack Doan. He was going to be the starter. Um, so, um, yeah, it's uh, it is Jack Cohen. Jack Doan's that former WWE wrestler, uh, referee. Oh God! <laughs> I thought it was when you. When I, I was saying, I was like, I'm sure it's Cohen, but not spelled like a normal Cohen. But I know yeah. the name Doan as well. And I was like, why do I know that name? I network over the course of the last uh, couple of days. Um, also, happy retirement to the Undertaker <laughs> as well. So uh, you know, and all that. Yeah, of course. What's that? Fifty years 30 later, years, he seems to be thirty years. Forever. And you probably come back again, but you know that's for another podcast. Um, what one thing we haven't mentioned though, <laughs> you know, with Wisconsin, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't sort of watch this game too closely because I was flicking back and forth because there was so many close games on at once. Now, what, what's Wisconsin's offensive line like now? Because obviously they had the key pieces over the course of the last two years, but they've obviously all been drafted. You know, you got Biadish, Edwards. Dieter, I can't remember who the other two were, but they had that formidable offensive line. What are they like now uh, from that standpoint? It's obviously Mertz. I don't think that's much of an offensive line issue. Um, mm, they've but, got some good talent on that offensive line. Yeah. Um, it's a little younger than you'd like it to be. Uh, they've got quite a lot of freshmen who are on the roster. They've not got many sophomores or seniors there. They're rolling quite a lot of juniors um, out there, but they—they—it's—it's it's not the star-studded name of years past. Um, mm. But from what I've watched at Wisconsin this season, I've not seen anything that makes me think, yeah, that offensive line is what the problem is. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, it's um, it's Mertz being a true freshman being rubbish, yeah. and <laughs> having true freshman struggles. Um, yeah. I mean, just to quantify it, they, they did only give up three sacks in the first two games combined, but then gave up three sacks in total in the Northwestern game. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the, I don't think the offensive line, I don't know who, if they've got any. Isn't there one offensive line supposed to be. This one offensive lineman I'm sure I've seen from Wisconsin. Um, in this year's draft, uh, potentially, but I, for the life of me, can't remember their name. 
They've, I'll have they've a got a little later. They've got a couple that mm, yeah. could convince yourself. They haven't got anyone that I would consider a high round pick. They've got no, not this year. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even too Third familiar with who they have. Yeah. Mm, no, not sure. Oh, uh, Cole Van Lanen, um is I'm sure is 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 one of their tackles. Yeah, Van... and draft. Draft site. I've got him as a third round pick. Um, and yes, one of the few seniors on that offensive line, Van Lee, and, and and yeah, it's and he's the highlight of again a, a weaker offensive line than. Um, but it's young; um, it'll develop. There might be a few yeah. of these that come along. But, 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 but that's my point. Obviously, c- compared to what they've had previously, there is yeah. a difference. Yeah. Okay, it may not show that fully but you, you're missing that leadership aren't you and like you said if they didn't get yeah. the running game going then certainly it is going to have a, an impact on the offense I mean seven points yeah yeah it exactly. definitely probably plays a part but I think this one has to go on the QB shoulders more than anything yeah that's fair but yeah I mean I don't think they've got the or they can claim the best uh, offensive line of football anymore I think that goes to and that goes to uh, Notre Dame now but now it's time for our 90 second roundups we've picked uh eight games which we think uh are worth chatting about uh games that have had major impacts on the weekend uh maybe on the ap rankings and yeah some thrills and spills so where better to start we've spent most of our time talking big 10 football um, and that's exactly where we're going to stay. Uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers took on the Purdue at Boilermakers on the Friday night. Purdue uh, obviously started the season very well in the same realms of Northwestern and Indiana with their wins over Iowa and Illinois. But after losing that tight game to Northwestern, they succumbed to back-to-back defeats with the Golden Gophers under PJ Flex struggling majorly so far this season. Uh, they are now to three wins on... Uh, t- sorry, they came off the back of being absolutely pummeled by Iowa, won this uh, game. Uh, gents, yep. Minnesota, they seem to be riding on the back of Mohamed Ibrahim because you see he seems to be stuffing the stat sheet every time I play. Whereas Tanner Morgan, the quarterback, uh, I'm pretty sure he's had a, a, a difficult start to this yeah. season. Did you... Uh, that uh, shocks me. Yeah, that, that, that shocks me with... The receiving court he's got, you'd, you'd at least expect him to do a lot better. I mean, um, he's got Rashad Bateman, who him and Rondell Moore actually are two of my favourite receivers in this year's draft. Um, so mm. I was really excited about this game. Um, Rondell Moore actually made his first start this season. Um, yeah. And he, he did really well uh, for his first game back. I think he had a, a foot injury as such. Uh, they're not really disclosed too much. But yeah, from a Tanner Morgan perspective, he needs to be doing a lot better, I think, especially with the receiving core he's got. I mean, looking at where Minnesota were last year, you know, and, and looking where they are now, obviously things have changed, you know, quite drastically with that programme. And I was, it, it's a shame, really. It's a tremendous shame. But, you know, uh, I think Tanner Morgan's not done himself any favours. And yeah, he's he's really gone down on a lot of people's boards, I reckon. He's got four touchdowns and four picks in five games. And I know, uh, 
bang on about him a lot. But Dylan Gabriel, so he's played eight games, 26 <laughs> touchdowns and three picks, compared to four touchdowns and four picks in five games. And uh, Morgan just went over the 1,000-yard uh, mark in five games, where Gabriel's yeah. surpassed 3,000 already. I know it's a weaker conference, but if you look at the teams they've played, you know, um, they haven't played Wisconsin, they haven't played Ohio State. Um, they've played Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, Maryland, and Michigan. Um, so yeah, Tanner Morgan has uh, fell off big time, um, and I think the Golden Gophers have fell off big time. But it was a good win. Um, I think if Purdue had have won last week, they this might have been a different score. But they were licking their wounds a little bit, and Minnesota needed needed a win to kind of kickstart their season in some way because it has really been a mess. Um, and and they got that uh, mainly mainly through a lot of a lot of first half work, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a game that they managed to do most of their work in the first half. Did you try coming back in the second half? Just couldn't quite do it. Yeah, Minnesota really starting to miss those key pieces from last year. Don't look the same team. The magic's not quite there like it was last year. How much of that was momentum? Do we think now? Because initially, at the start of the season, I thought Minnesota are talented. They've got a lot of talent to be... Oh, I didn't think they were going to be anywhere near as good as last year, but I thought they might be in with a shout. But yeah. the momentum has faded. They're back to where we sort of have been used to Minnesota being. Exactly, exactly. And the round off a big stat. Uh, obviously, losing players like Carter Coughlin and uh, Antoine Winfield to the draft. Not a single sack. Not a single sack in the game for... Uh, Minnesota defense that is that is poor. Uh, moving on swiftly, uh, Kentucky against Alabama. Now, if you listen to me on the scores and the doors, I said Kentucky will hold Alabama in there in the first quarter, and then Alabama will pull away. Well, it was seven three after the first quarter, but then Alabama did score fifty six points in a row without Kentucky fair, scoring they, again. Yeah, to, to be fair, they had. A point that had a situation where, in the second quarter, Kentucky were actually in sort of you, you know in the red zone area, and they looked like they were going to at least score three another three points, right. maybe even a touchdown. And that I'm not saying it's going to change the game or the complexion, but at the same time, it, it puts uh, it puts a bit more frighteners on you know Alabama. So yeah, unfortunately, that didn't go their way, and then Alabama ended up just. Uh, Waking up and then just literally destroying Kentucky after that, but there was chances for them. Yeah, it was typical Alabama. You, you know, yeah, it was a slower start than you know in weeks previous. I never was overly too concerned, like you say, Nick. It was when do Alabama put their foot on the pedal and go for it? Second quarter is your answer with those back to back second and third quarters of twenty one points. Mac Jones. Looked good, not great, didn't need to. Defense played really well for Bama. Their defense is starting to come along. Saban's got rid of sort of those early season issues that they had, especially in games against like Old Miss. And I think Alabama are the number one team in the nation. I I don't see them being tested now until the um the SEC championship game. And it was just this is one of those just one of those games. Alabama can do that to you. Devonta Smith had a ridiculous stat line, nine catches, 144 yards, two touchdowns. They're just a big play monster and lesser teams in the SEC can't keep up. And that was what we saw on Saturday. 
I'm going to be very fair to suck deep here because I said no, the yeah. statement. I, I said the statement and scores on the doors. Where's Subdeep <laughs> got Vanderbilt scoring 16 points from? Um, you well, you know what the funny score. thing is? I was literally listening to the pod because obviously I wasn't part of it mm-hmm. whilst the game was going on. And I'm, and I must have, I had the biggest smirk on my face because at that point they had already had the 17 points and I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was rubbing my hands with that one. So to be honest, I bet, I bet. Go on. I was going to say, if anyone doesn't understand what we're talking about, uh, Vanderbilt took on Florida in an SEC game. The Gators won it 38-17. to Vanderbilt started quickly quite well, up 10-7 after the first quarter. But uh, with 31 points to 7 in the rest of the game, the Gators ran wild. But we said on the podcast, uh, when we're doing our scores on the doors, that Vanderbilt wouldn't score 16 points. It'd be crazy to think that Vanderbilt could put 16 points on. But not, not so deep. He knew it, and we had to uh, concede that one to him. It was lucky, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I just looked at sort of based on their previous games average, and I thought Florida's defence, I'm not really that keen on Florida's defence, judging by what they've done in some of the other games. So I always thought they were going to get scored on. Um, I just thought the margin was going to be a lot bigger, if I'm being honest. I thought Florida would put up more points, which, you know, um, obviously... Disappointment. The more um, the more annoying thing was, I mean, which annoyed me was um, BT Sport had the Ducks game uh, showing on the preview bit, and then when I turned it on, the, the suddenly have Florida Vanderbilt on. So that that was sort of annoying. So thanks, Gators. <laughs> I think it was a Gators game anyway. But there was one ga- we should have had Oregon on, and they didn't play them. So that was that was quite annoying. Well, Kyle Trask, yeah. 26 for 35, 383 yards, three touchdowns and no picks. Uh, yeah, a stellar game, which only reinforces his uh, at least Heisman finalist uh, mm-hmm. uh, hopes. Yeah, without a doubt. You want to say something, Tristan? Um, I was going to say, I think lack of rushing was Florida's downfall in this game from previous weeks. Longest run was 16 yards. No one really went anywhere over 50, apart from Pierce at 55. In games past, they had decent rushing attack. They relied heavily on the pass game this week. And I think made it a bit one-dimensional. It's the reason Vandy could hover around early doors. Over Pac-12 football now. And uh, yeah, after their makeshift game at the weekend for the UCLA Bruins, when they had a last-minute uh, schedule change to play Oregon. They took on last sorry, last was able to play Cal. They faced the Oregon Ducks this weekend, who uh, were two and zero, and were looking okay. Um, not not the kind of margin wins that we were expecting from the Ducks. And what a game they had against the Bruins. Uh, Suk as a new member of the Ducks oh. family. Uh, it was thirty eight thirty five Oregon, and it was a it was a very squeaky game with the Bruins pushing their way back into it. It was very tense, and even in it's typical ducks from what I've seen this season. Uh, slow start to the game. Um, I know they were fourteen seven up in the first quarter, but it was still relatively. You know they could have pushed away further from the game, in my opinion. They just didn't do that. Um, let UCLA back into the game in the second quarter. We were very fortunate uh, because if you obviously if you look at the box score, you think yeah, comfortable first half, you know, for the ducks, but. We were literally behind up until the last 
second of the first half. And it was only due to um, a Chase Griffin uh, in- interception that, you know, that we picked off that resulted in a uh, last second touchdown in the half. So literally we should have been down by um, a few points. Um, sorry, I haven't got my math. I haven't got my calculator ready. We should have had 17 points in the first half and, and they should have had 21. So, you know, we should have been, we were very fortunate to be ahead, you know, at half time. Um, so very, very lucky in that respect. And even in the end of the game, I mean, we didn't do anything in the fourth quarter. And UCLA really, really, they, they had a drive where they could have easily come back, you know, maybe got the um, field goal at the end. It wasn't meant to be for them. Um, our defence, to be honest, it, it's not doing very well. Um, you know, a number of prospects there, you know, expected to be drafted quite high, looking at people like, you know, Lenore, um, you know, Jeff East, Holland, is he? Yeah, uh, Thibodeau we've got, who's, I know he's not coming in this draft, but um, we've got him. Uh, we did have an injury to Noah uh, Sewell. Um, so I, I don't know if he's going to be out long term. I know, you know, he, he was sort of struggling throughout the game. Um, but credit to UCLA. Um, they didn't have the usual quarterback in there um, this time. So No, they had Griffin in because got... Thingy, I forget his name, was part of COVID. Yeah, double, double barrel name. Yeah, it was double barrel name. Under yeah, COVID <laughs> protocol. Um, yeah. I thought... Um, this game for me, from what I saw of it, it was UCLA's play calling for me, which I think is a difference. I think Chip Kelly was overly aggressive in some aspects where he didn't need to be, which where I think the game was won and lost, especially that play just before the half. I know you're down and you're trying to get back in the game, but with your true freshman quarterback out there, do you need to be that aggressive and go for a deep play to end the half? Do you not take that in uh, go, we're close? Why? I don't understand why you risk it all there at that in the game yeah. go in at the half you're up a little keep the momentum there I, I just found that really odd at least at least maybe a field goal but literally they just they just went for bro didn't they but um, obviously we had a guest um, you know on the show a few weeks ago and his brother um, Osa Odigazua had a, he's had a really good game and he certainly put his draft stock uh, for this week at least you know his stock's going up I think so yeah, be interesting to see um, where he's looked at in the draft as well. Hopefully, he got his senior bowl invite this week, so hopefully he balls out at the senior he bowl and he'll yeah. be one to watch. Hundred percent. The Bulldogs were off the leash over in the SEC. Uh, both of them were they? As uh, the Georgia, Georgia took on Mississippi State. Uh, Georgia looking to uh, lick their wounds uh, on their paws. <laughs> Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> as they came back from a bye week after their loss to Florida. Um, one that hurt Georgia deeply. But they bounced back with a win uh, with JT Daniels given his yeah. first start. Uh, 28-38, 401 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he's not, but could easily be one of our um, stars of the week mm. given it's a stellar debut uh at, uh, against a tough, uh, well, I say tough. It's an SEC game, you know. It's it, they're all tough. Uh, Mississippi State. Um, shout out Will Rogers though, the Mississippi State quarterback who threw forty-one completions for fifty-two uh, out of fifty-two. That's <laughs> forty-one completions in a game is ins- is insane. So well done to him. But yeah, it was a touchdown win for the Bulldogs. Uh, anyone watch this game or watch any highlights of um, this game? 
Georgia's offense is a different monster with JT Daniels. They're deep bombs. If you go back and just watch the bombs he's throwing in this game, uh, Georgia's defense didn't play as well as weeks past. Um, their rushing attack struggled a little bit in this game. Didn't matter. JT Daniels was able to just bail them out with just four really nice touchdown throws, to be fair. Uh, I think if the defense can pick it back up, JT Daniels keeps playing well. Different Georgia team for the rest of the year, you're going to see. Their offense just looks a lot more flexible with JT Daniels. Uh, just a competent quarterback at the helm. Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah. It was definitely a nice coup uh, for them as well. I mean, he had his injury problems last year as well, JT, didn't he? Um, when he was at USC. So yeah, he's coming off a nasty nice. three. Yeah, nice seeing back. So, yeah, keep that up. Battle for supremacy in Oklahoma laid once again with the Sooners. Uh, going into the game, the, uh, the Oklahoma State were 5-2, and two, Oklahoma Sooners 6-2. and two. And yeah, forty-one to thirteen, an absolute rout in the end. Spencer Rattler threw for three hundred yards and four touchdowns. Had a great day, uh, possibly his best so far in an Oklahoma jersey. On the flip side, uh, the Cowboys had no passing game. They just couldn't really get it going. Um, between Spencer Sanders and Shane Illingworth, they had fifteen completions out for four, uh, fifteen completions from forty-one attempts. Dismal. Um, and Chuba Hubbard just 44 rushing yards nothing went white right for Oklahoma State did it uh, no and we finally got the Spencer Rattler we'd all been expecting um, at a tough start to the year but he just looked good out there the player that everyone was hoping to see this year Oklahoma are finding themselves a little bit and yeah they'll probably win out this year now look a lot more competitive Shane they couldn't find it early and Oklahoma State just looked bad they, you know, they accumulated 246 yards of total offense. That's against a team like Oklahoma. You need to be able to keep up with them. That's the only way you're going to stay in it. Cowboys can do that. Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, we've seen at Oklahoma State don't uh, score too many points, despite some of the, you know, offensive weapons they got in, um, you know, Hubbard and Wallace. But yeah, I don't think it came to a surprise to any of us. I think we all had Oklahoma winning this quite comfortably, didn't we? Uh, at least by a score or more. So, yeah, no surprises, to be honest. Pac-12 football. And finally, the Utah Utes uh, got themselves on the field uh, after a sensational 2019 season where they finished 11-3. and uh, And, um, sorry, I think I also said they went to the Rose Bowl. They didn't. They went to the Alamo Bowl and lost to Texas, but they had a, a fantastic, fantastic regular season. But... Uh, quarterback Tyler Huntley is gone and the Utes finally took to the field facing a Trojans team who'd won two games or 2-0 and already and but didn't look so impressive but uh, the Trojans definitely uh, definitely saved their best performance of the season for for this game um, 33-17 wins um, they didn't do anything individually if you look at their rushing stats receiving stats passing stats but all round, possibly their best performance and their most impressive win to date. Yeah, just kept um, Utah at bay in the second half. Really, they didn't. I don't think they had any points, you know, after the first half. So um, it was just a stellar performance, like you said. You know, they they did what they needed to do in the first half. They got the seven point lead, and then after that, really, it was just sort of, you know, 
field calls really. Uh, Slovis, you know, he's he's had a, he's had a decent game, but like you said, nothing overly special. But I think UC, UCS. USC. <laughs> I'm thinking about shopping now, aren't I? <laughs> USC. Um, obviously, they'll be happy with you know just not being in a close game because the last two games they had previous to that were obviously you know a lot closer. So, you know, I think they'll be quite relieved, you know, just to have a sort of comfortable, comfortable win in the end. Yeah, this USC USC's defense finally stepped up, forcing five turnovers. Um, that's just what's going to do it for you. Jake Bentley transferred in to play quarterback at Utah, just didn't look with it at all. Um, a game where it offered nothing offensively for either team. No, neither team's offense looked brilliant. Slovis just did enough um, where Bentley couldn't. But Trojan's defense, they take this win. That's their win. Um, yeah. And they they just walk away. Um, Scoreline, I'd say, flashes USC offensively a little bit. Um but again, it's a defense game. Is is it's just to quickly touch on Utah because obviously I haven't um, spoke about them at all. Is there going to be their main issue that they don't have faith in the quarterback? Because obviously Bentley got pulled for Cameron Rising um, towards the end. Um, is this what going to hold back the Utes this season? In particular? Maybe I think they'd be expecting more of Bentley um, coming in, previous starter in college football, plays in. The games it was, you think he'd be able to slot in and do a job, just didn't look to be that way. Don't know if it was just first game of the season with a COVID season during transfer yeah. could cause him an issue. Um, I think I need to see a bit more tape on the Utah before I could make a full gone conclusion there, Nick. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, and finally, Michigan against Rutgers, two teams that have. Uh, not being particularly impressive, but it was a very, very good game. It was. Um, and just for anyone who doesn't know, it went to three overtimes to try and find a winner between these two woeful teams. But they had a, a big scoring game. Former Nebraska quarterback Noah Vedral, uh, now quarterbacking Rutgers. But Wolverines won it uh, in third overtime, 48-42. to 42. Um, go on, Tristan, and you, you were about to start. I was about to say, you've got to think Michigan have found their new quarterback now. I don't think you can start Joe Milton ever again. Well, not ever, ever again, but for the rest of the season, I think McNamara has to be the quarterback again. Uh, Wolverine's down early because they couldn't get quarterback play. Um, Rutgers were doing enough, but McNamara got in there, went 27 of 36, or up 260 and four touchdowns. Um Haskins did some good rushing and the Wolverines just came back in the game. Again, it's a, it's a win for Michigan, but you've you got to be concerned that you're going into three overtimes against Rutgers, who have only got one win um, all season. So, but yeah, I think the only positive, I think the main positive if you're a Michigan fan is I think you found your starting quarterback. It's true. I mean, but what do you think of the offensive coordinator, Josh? Is it Josh Geis or something said that? Um... He thinks that both quarterbacks uh, did a tremendous job in in the game. Um, I don't think Joe Milton did anything wrong. Did anything particularly well? Five or twelve for eighty nine yards doesn't scream effective to me. But he's just trying to breed some confidence into the lad, isn't he? That's all. Yeah, must be. That's true. So, um, and also briefly, let's mention uh, Penn State. Yeah. Um, Oh, dear me, Penn State. This is possibly... They're probably the biggest shock, bad um, team of the season in all of college football. 
They are 0-5 after being pummeled by Iowa, 41-21. This team is just a mess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I don't think there's much more to be said on that. There isn't. Um, I'm excited that they've got Michigan this week, so that's going to be... <laughs> that, 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 something's got to give, surely. Like, you know, they've got to win this Penn one Penn State, now. surely. Exactly, Penn State, surely. I mean, they've got Michigan, Rutgers and Michigan State. Surely they're going to go maybe three in a row. I mean, I actually, you don't, you, know what, you, you, don't, you don't know, do you? No, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> um, right, on the upside, let's talk about our stars of the week. So every week we choose a player that's impressed us the most or done something particularly great in college football this week. And, uh, yeah, Tristan, even though he's stuck by his Hoosiers uh, this week and they just came short for him, he still couldn't go away from taking a Hoosier. Um, Tristan, who is your superstar of the week? I I don't know how you can't give a superstar of the week to Ty Freifrogel, the receiver out of Indiana, stat line of... Seven receptions for 218 yards and three touchdowns, and not a single Ohio State DB could cover him man to man. He just he was monstrous. It was just jump balls, mm. and people say Wade's a very very good corner, and he had an okay game. But Fryfogel was still able to get monster numbers against him, and was a big reason why Indiana could come back in the game. It was just when the chips were down, Penix could just look at Fryfogel and go, "I'm going to throw this up to you." And you're going to make the play. And he was doing that all game. And he kept, he's the reason Indiana were kept in it. They couldn't run the ball very well. So they had, it It was really, there's one option. I'm going to throw the ball to Freifogel and he couldn't be stopped. For me, if you can put a team on your back and come close against Ohio State, start a week material. Brilliant. Well, that's, uh, that's it. That's a great, that's a great pick. Um, Suki, you've gone on the other side of the ball. Yeah. The linebacker. Yeah, so I've gone for uh, Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. Um, really impressed with this boy, actually, just sort of looking at sort of the season he's had. He just seems to be a really, really good all-round player. And this week, he was sort of pivotal for his team. Um, I mean, take away the fact that he, sc- he returned an interception for 96 yards for a touchdown, you know, to, to give them the win in overtime, you know, Overall, take that even out of the equation. I, I mean, just looking at him on the on the stats, he fifteen tackles recorded. You know, for a defensive player, you know, in a single game, it, it's mightily impressive. Um, and for me, just obviously looking at where the Tulsa program is now. Obviously, we'll talk about um, rankings and everything sort of later on. But he's been a massive part of um, you know that team. You know, moving on up in terms of uh, the rankings. So. And it'll be interesting to see where he's looked at on draft boards, um, you know, because he's having a really stellar season. I mean, he's so far recorded 33 tackles. Um, he's had four sacks, uh, caused two forced fumbles and four interceptions, you know. So for a linebacker to do that, it just goes to show he's literally everywhere on the field. So all credit to him um, and, and obviously giving his team that vital win. Very nice, very nice. So I've gone one for it. I'm not going to lie. I'll be brutally honest. Uh, a game I did not watch. Uh, the Bowling Green Falcons against the Buffalo Bulls. But a stat that jumped out to me that I could not uh, could not give my star of the week uh, to anybody else. Running back Jared Patterson uh, 
for the Buffalo Bulls didn't just have he didn't have 100 rushing yards. He didn't have 200. He had 300 rushing yards in one game. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, for fairness, Buffalo had 74 passing yards and literally fed it to Jared Patterson on pretty much every play. Just so, yeah, um, in terms of offensive um, offensive plays, they had 47, uh, 48, 54 they they attempted sixty six um, plays and thirty one of them were just given to Patterson. So he took almost fifteen. He was had almost fifty percent of the whole plays wow. just went. Clearly had one Patterson and just see if he can on the opposition. And uh, the balls are three and zero, oh, and that's clearly been working. Patterson's supposed to be a sleeper potentially this year in the draft. Um, you well, you would say that after um, after uh, a three hundred yard game, but yeah, uh, his stock is going up, and uh, he's also a kick returner as well. But yeah, three hundred rushing yards in one game is just quite frankly insane. That's a mad so, stat line as well. That's what I said, that's a mad stat line. Like, it is, isn't it? Has anyone else gone 300 rushing yards this season in college football? I doubt it. I, doubt I can't it. think of anyone. No. Right. It's time for the AP rankings. Um, let's take a breath. So it's that time again to look at the AP rankings for this week. It's worth noting, um, at the time of talking, uh, the... It's going to be midnight tonight, so for you guys listening, it's already out. The official college football uh, rankings with the race for the college playoffs will be released for the first time. Uh, so it's out now, so go have a check to see uh, where the teams stack up in comparison to the AP rankings we're about to give you. But take a deep breath, and we will fire through them now. So, one through eight remains in exact same position. Alabama remained top after their win against Kentucky. Notre Dame didn't play, remained second though. Clemson, um, Ohio State, sorry, are third still um, as they squeaked past Indiana. They're 4-0. Clemson are still fourth. Um, They didn't play this weekend. Their game got called off very late in the day against Florida State. Um, Mm -hmm. They're still 7-1. Texas A&M didn't play this weekend. They remain 5-1. Florida are 6-1 now after their win over Vanderbilt. Cincinnati go 8-0 after their um, tight win over UCF at the bounce house and BYU go to 9-0 after they beat North Alabama 66-14 to mm-hmm. um, Ninth, uh, Oregon Ducks are up two spots uh, after their win against UCLA um, Miami also can uh, join them moving up two spots um, despite they didn't play a game <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Northwestern are the biggest of winners this week. They move up eight spots to 11th after beating Wisconsin. They're now 5-0. and Indiana moved down three spots, though, after to 12 after their loss to Ohio State. Georgia remained 13 after their win over Mississippi State. Oklahoma are up to 14th now, 6-2 and two after their win against uh, state rivals Oklahoma State. I, uh, they moved up four spots, actually, Oklahoma. And Iowa State moved up two spots after they beat Kansas State 45 to nothing. A shutout win. Rarely happens in college football these days. I don't think anyone saw that coming, um, no. given Kansas State's 
start to the season where they got some real shocks under their belt. Uh, Coastal Carolina have moved down one spot despite winning. Boo, we don't like to see that, do we? We're all on the Coastal Carolina Marshall train. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over here on the pod. All for the Heisman. You what, sorry? Grayson McCall for the Heisman. I'm going to start that campaign. The Coastal Carolina quarterback. <laughs> quarterback, he's, yeah. He's, and, and you know, look at his stats. He's been awesome this year. And do you know what? This is the biggest unfairness to Coastal Carolina. I, the App State, they beat Appalachian State. That was their biggest win of the season, arguably. And they moved down a spot. Come on. That's right. harsh. Um, and Marshall moved down two spots despite not playing a game. Wisconsin dropped eight spots uh, to 18th, understandably, after their shock loss to Northwestern. USC are up one spot from uh, 20th to 19th, going 3-0 after their win against Utah. Uh, Texas move up two spots too. They they returned to the AP rankings last uh, two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, they're up two spots to 20th after they beat... Uh, who did Texas beat? I forget. They beat someone, didn't they? Or did they just not play? I don't think, I they, don't, I don't think they played. No, they, they, they didn't play. They've just been given a nice credit to two-spot jump up without playing. Oklahoma State, though, did play and they lost. They, they had the wheels battered off them right. by the Sooners and they dropped seven spots. Exactly. Um, Auburn are up one spot after uh, they picked up a nice little win. Yeah. Uh, beating uh, Tennessee. Um, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. The Raging Rangers, they moved up one spot without playing a single game. Tulsa, they are up a spot as well. They got a win against who did Tulsa beat? Obviously, a huge game. Tulane. Um, Tulane. They beat Tulane, the uh, New Orleans based side. And we have a new team in the top 25 replacing Liberty. Now, why did Liberty drop out? They lose. They the lost in. They lost to NC State. Heartbreak of a. Last minute field goal getting blocked by oh. NC State to lose 15 14. Oh, my heart bleeds for Liberty. Um, but they're out of the top 25, replaced by North Carolina with Sam Howell at the helm. Uh, what happened again to um, the Tar Heels? They won, but I can't remember who they beat. Well, they, just not, they just didn't get moved up without playing a game, surely. I'm sure they didn't play. Obviously, they got Notre Dame. No, they didn't play. They got Notre Dame this week, uh, but they didn't yeah, play. They got, they got Notre yeah. Dame. So, they, yeah. they, so they, they, got, they got points to move up into the top 25 without playing a game. But the week, the first be- time the week before that, though, they were amazing. They had that massive comeback win, didn't they? So maybe it was more yeah, based that, on that. That didn't get... that. Yeah, possibly. But they didn't... They, 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 I mean, you know, we, we don't just conscribe to moving up places when you haven't played a game, but to move into the top 25, having not played a game is... Uh, is uh, and I think Liberty with only one... issue with the AP rankings. Liberty only have the one loss. It was close. I You could have given an argument for them to stay 21st. Um, right. They have lost a couple of games, but what do we know, Nick? Yeah, well, exactly. What What do we know? Um, but what we do know is uh, it's time for our short discussion topic of the week. And we are talking college football rivalry. So uh, we've spoken about this a little bit already. But what do we think uh, if we had to pick? Should we pick five? We're going to pick five content. We're going to have to agree on this, by the way. And so we might have to be a little bit of conceding. Uh, we have to agree on all five. What are the five biggest rivalries in college football? And Suk, you it was your idea to do this week and, and yeah. what what where was that idea born out of? 
literally just due to the Iron Bowl this week, if I'm being honest, uh, just obviously watching you know, various documentaries on the history of uh, Alabama and Auburn. Um, it's just something that I just thought would be quite interesting. Um, and to be honest, it'll be something that I will um, get an education out of as well, because, you know, unlike you two, I'm still, when it comes to college football, I've not been in that sort of element of having a rival because I've not really had a team up until recently to follow. So for me, I'm interested in hearing what you guys have to say. Oh, fair enough. Well, fair I enough. think I think I think I think we're all pretty in agreement that um, the Alabama Auburn game is definitely one to yeah. put in our top five. We're not we're not going to do like an order. We're just going to have five. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, what the story about the story about poisoning a tree? Yeah. <laughs> is is definitely the one that um, stood stood out to me when I yeah because obviously last season Auburn. Auburn beat Alabama, right? Yeah, they did. In, yeah. Uh, in the Iron Bowl, that was a very, it was a huge shock to Tua uh, and the team. Um, it was actually did, it was Tua, Tua out didn't for play that, in game. that game? No, I can't remember. I don't think Brilliant. he played. In that he's game. right. He's right. Um, but I remember before the game watching about the rivalry and reading about the poison tree. Um, it's a tree uh, on Tuma's Corner, located at the intersection of Magnolia Avenue and College Street. Uh, and basically, um, the employees at Tumor's Drugs, after discovering that Auburn won a game, would throw like either through ticker tape, they throw ticker tape onto the tree. Um, but one year, someone poisoned it, didn't it? And what, what does anyone know exactly what happened? Yeah, so it was, um, uh, an Alabama fan got a bit excited. So I, I don't know if anyone's watched the documentary, but um, Roll Tide uh, War Eagle documentary that ESPN have done. So that that kind of goes into a bit more detail about what happened. But basically, um, I think it was a revenge attack because one of the, uh, some of the Auburn fans um, put a Auburn jersey on one of their sort of, um, you know, statues of one of their, you know, great coaches. Uh, and, and that obviously annoyed the Alabama fans. So he, he obviously got his revenge to try and, you know, do this, but it, it kind of just went a step too far in a lot of people's opinion. I mean, there's there's obviously, you know, there's, you can have a bit of fun and games with rivalry, but this rivalry just seems to be out of pure hatred, doesn't it, at the minute, uh, in a state do rivalry. You know, do you know what I, I love about, do you know what I love about this poisoning of a tree? So if you read the Wikipedia page, it says um, that uh, the phone call was tracked and the perpetrator, Harvey Updike, was arrested. Yeah. He was sentenced to pay a fine and spend time in jail. And I love that. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a there's issues of supposedly overcrowding in jails and stuff like that. But it's like one of those small... You know when you watch these American TV programs or films that I've seen, some of them are quite... Um, you know, it's fiction. But poisoning a tree, I can just imagine, like, the the cops, like the sheriff of the town liking, thinking, you know, that that sits alongside murder because they because of you know like whole state pride like school pride and you know stuff like that that them poisoning the tree you imagine like the the judge might have been like or the sheriff or whatever it might be like a huge auburn fan and be like give put him in prison put him in prison that's the worst thing you could possibly do in this town um (laughs) 
it just makes it just makes me laugh. It's just like I think it's funny, like mm. to give him prison time for He's poisoning a... a tree. I love it. After the after the trees were poisoned, efforts were made to save the trees, but they were unsuccessful. It's like it's not a person; it's a tree. These things mean a lot, though, to yeah. these sort of trees. It's yeah. exactly it's the culture, isn't it? I mean, no, I don't think there's any. Is there any, is there any tree worshipping teams in the UK? Nottingham Forest, maybe. <laughs> yeah, do they? Do they sort of? There's no, there's no, there's no tree. I mean, I mean, I've been to Nottingham a couple yeah. of times. I mean, being from Leicester, we we don't like Nottingham Forest, but I would never, even if they had a tree, I don't think I'd uh, go ahead and like do any poison yeah. it or, or do anything to it. You know, um, in fact, I mean, one of the most interesting things in our history. Um, was we had an incident whereby one of our players, um, actually a former Sunderland player, I believe it was Clive Clark, had a heart attack mm. during um, half-time during the game. And I just remember it being so surreal because I was actually there at the away dugout. I know we're going off topic here, but I just remember like thinking, oh my God, like this player is going to possibly be dead or something. And... I just remember actually after that game when leaving the stadium, it was just so somber. Even the home supporters were like, you know, hope everything's okay kind of thing. So sometimes you just got to put rivalry aside and just think, you know, there's more important things in life than, you know, I, I mean, sport's important, rivalry is important, but not to the extent where you're, you know, creating heinous acts like this. Um, but interesting enough, Harvey, the person who, who did this, he, He's passed away, isn't he? I didn't realise he's passed away. At 71. I did not really yeah. know either. And he passed away at the age. I'm not sure what year he died. I'm not sure when that documentary was made. But, um, yeah, he, he's he's no longer with us. So, oh, literally. Sorry, oh, sorry. Literally two weeks ago. Literally two, three weeks two. ago. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wow. How weird is that? So, yeah. Quite weird. So... so uh, that's so that's that's going to make our list. Um, rivalry game number two, Tristan. What's your, what's your? I'm going to be a little bit biased for my first one, and just because there's so many aspects of it, it that you know appeal to me, it's it's one that I'm personally involved in. I I have to say the Palmetto Bowl, South Carolina versus Clemson. Um, there's been some, oh, there's been some, sorry. there's been really good matchups over the years. Some big streaks. There's been drama on the field there's been drama off the field there was a I think it was in 2006 there was a, a massive scuffle mid-game where to get involved the hatred between the two schools got a little out of hand but my favorite part of this rivalry and it's something that I think is a wonderful wonderful idea it's more of a positive than a negative is since 1985 there's been something called the blood drive which is where the two schools the week before the annual football game have blood donation vehicles that are on the campus and they actually have a competition between each of the schools of which schools, faculty, students, players can donate the most blood. For, because obviously rival week is normally around the holiday season in America. It's normally around Thanksgiving where people don't have time to give blood. So they actually have made a competition out of donating blood. Um, unfortunately, South Carolina are winning in that series. Um, I think they, they took last year going I think they've done one 18 years and Clemson have the other 17 but I just think that's a really nice touch something a bit different than just keeping it purely on the football field I like that 
that's great to hear um, of yeah. the good things that can happen from some of these rivalries. I don't know if I want to write it down though, because is it really one of the truly biggest top five, you reckon, college rivalries in in the nation? I think it's. Or is I, it one you're maybe seeing in people's top ten? I've got Athlon. I've got Athlon Sports Open who rank their college, and they've got it as the 18th oh, wow. okay. biggest rivalry. Again, um, some of it maybe my Alabama bias, Auburn. Or... <laughs> I love the story though. <laughs> I love the story. Um, do you know what? Do you know what? Just, just, do you know what? I'm gonna put it down, just for you. Yes. Um, just, just, just for you. Um, right. Um, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm a Big Ten guy. Um, and I'm gonna go with the Michigan Ohio State one. Um, the game. Two teams that, yeah, the game. Two teams that just seem to despise each other. Um. A little bit of history about it. Um, so after uh, after his Ohio State team scored its final touchdown late in fi- late in a fifty fourteen route of Michigan at the end of the nineteen sixty eight season, Buckeyes coach Woody Hayes elected to go for two points instead of kicking the PAT. Ouch! First of all, uh, when asked afterward why he did that, he said because they wouldn't let me go for three. <laughs> he says the Hayes hatred for that team up north was legendary and it started over from then because I think that's brilliant. You know, going for two when you're already up by what forty points and then saying why'd you do it? He said, Well I couldn't go for three, so two would have to do is brilliant. And it's such a it is such a bitter, bitter rivalry. Um and uh I think one obviously Ohio State have have dominated for the last few years. Um and the rivalry has had some extra punch since, since Jim Harbaugh's been at it. You know, it's 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 no uh, whether good or bad for Michigan. Um, but he's still looking for his first win in the series. Ohio State have actually won eight straight now against Michigan. But there is definitely uh, a lot of hate between the teams from Ann Arbor and Columbus. Um, there's a lot of information you can read about it. Um, there's, I'd like to um, tell you about one thing called the Gold Pants Charm. So Michigan led the series 22-6-2 when Francis Schmidt became Ohio State's head coach in 1934. When reporters asked Schmidt if Ohio State could beat Michigan, he said something to the effect of, of course we can win. Michigan put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do. And he was right. Ohio State proceeded to win four straight, beating the Wolverines by a collective score of 114 to nothing. Today, the Buckeye players receive a golden pants, gold pants charm if they beat Michigan. And so Schmidt gave Ohio State its pride. But then, yeah, so I love that. If they beat Michigan, every player gets a gold pants charm. I think it's great. Wow. <laughs> These are the little intricacies in college football that we love. I think it's great. But yeah, the two teams fiercely hate each other. Um, and it's a rivalry that goes back, what, 80, 90 years? Um so, does Michigan? Can I can I get Michigan? Uh, I think the game Ohio State on the list. I think uh, I think it goes on the list. To be honest, Sweet. yeah. Great. So we got three on the list. Anyone got one they want to? Florida, Georgia, maybe. You know, state. Well, you know, out of state rivalry there between the two. I I don't think they're very fond of each other, are they? I mean, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I don't know yeah, too much about the history. I've just. From speaking to fans, I know they kind of despise one another, just from what I hear. 
Yeah, I, it's it's a more modern, not more modern in the sense of it's more recent, but certainly in the last sort of 30 years, I think that rivalry's really become a thing. I don't think it's too historic. It got very heated at times. Um, it's it's one you could put up there. Mm. I, I think there is, I don't know enough about it to fully comment myself, but I think it could be up there. I don't know how much do you know about it, Nick? I'm not really an SEC guy, but I know that it's it's one that's been um, one that's been talked about a lot when you talk about some of the mm. the top ones. I, I I might have gone for the Red River rivalry. Um, that one is that one is pretty fierce. I think it's two teams that hate each other, but the they, they call so a little bit about Georgia Florida. Um, they actually, they actually um, sail boats cruising up the St John's River in Jacksonville. Um, it's 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 called like the world's largest outdoor cocktail party pre-COVID. Mm. And there's been some there's been some classic games over the years. But what makes it special about this rivalry? These two programs can't even agree on how many times they've actually played. I love that. Florida claims the two have met ninety-seven times, while the Bulldogs they say they've played ninety-eight times. So I, I imagine Bulldogs won that extra game they... then, which is why there's been... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think so? Because the Gators claim that the 52-0 loss in 1904 doesn't count because they've not, not yet technically started playing yeah. football yet. So I love that again. Brilliant. Brilliant. So I'm going to put that on the list and I'm yeah. going to finish with uh, a little monologue about a game, um, which it doesn't necessarily have to be about fierce rivalry. But it's definitely a game that deserves it for the spectacle. Um, it says, uh, go ahead and try to attend this game without experiencing a surge of patriotism. If the Super Hornets fly ever doesn't get you, the Army paratroopers will. Army versus Navy. Um, if you miss the parades of the cadets and the midshipmen, then the non-stop spirit videos on the big ball will stir your senses. By the game's end, no matter what the score, America wins. That may seem like some, you know, lot of rubbish to you guys, but um, but if you haven't been there, then I guess you can't say the believers. They Army Navy in college football is it's like is the purest state of college football you can get. Um, fans of teams thirst for a victory, so the players, um, well, they're really playing for their fellow students. And after the game, they rejoin their classmates in preparation for military service. You know, not an NFL career. For three hundred and sixty-four days of the year, Army and Navy are on, on the same team. And of course, and that's keeping the, the citizens of the United States safe. But for three hours on a chill December afternoon, they represent every soldier or sailor who ever donned a uniform, walked a post or sailed into the dark night. And I love that. Imagine, imagine this is a one heck of a spectacle, purely for the whole patriotism. Was it the... Um, yeah, star spangled. It seems banner. like it's going to be a friendly it, rivalry, though, more than anything, because they're all there for the same cause. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's that's why I'm putting it up there because it's it's a rivalry game that seems to. I think. I mean, this this talks about the Patriots. I don't know off off the field that there's severe bragging rights of of, of like you know of. Because it's 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 weird to talk about two college football teams that genuinely have one the same ambition. Because obviously we're not talking normal college football here. And you might have an army fan who tells you that 
maybe we really hate them when it comes to football. I don't, I don't know. But I'm just talking about unique rivalries. If we're talking about the uniqueness of Clemson and South Carolina, if we're putting them on the list because of the blood drive they do, this is surely a unique rivalry that uh, is is definitely like no other in college. We football. should try and get someone from Army and Navy on the podcast one day if we can. That'll be interesting. That is a great idea. That'll be really. Good. I want to hear that. Uh, that would be wicked. Yeah. But just before we move on, Nick, I I know we were only meant to do five, but I've just had a thought. I think we may have missed the rivalry that has the most hatred in modern times at the moment and has been a big point of contention for a number of reasons over the last few years. And I think uh, my number... Nebraska don't hate Colorado that bad. It's all right. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm going to go with Ole Miss, oh. Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl. If you look at it the mm-hmm. last few years, that's just been, you know, there was the whole dog pee celebration. There's been fights. It it got, you know, there was the paying recruit scandal at both schools where Mississippi State recruits who were being paid were snitching on old Miss recruits who were getting paid. If you want to go and look at the last 10 years of a rivalry that has become so much more than football and that has embroiled the whole state, Go and look into Old Miss, Mississippi State. I think it is, in the current era, the most heated rivalry in maybe all of American sports. Wow. That's a good shout. Okay. We can definitely put... We, we can put six in. Because I was just reading an article on the US Army website about how the soldiers across the country and deployed overseas beating the Naval Academy instills a fierce pride and added motivation towards their service of the country. So I knew for a fact that even though they're all on the same team, uh, and that's the team of the United States, that the, there's like, I've heard before, like the Army and the RAF like bash each other in the UK, like jokingly bash each other. But there's no actual sport that really is played between them. I don't know if there is actually for this. But, you know, America's like the UK, yeah. but on. <laughs> but more intense. So I imagine that, that that gets pretty intense between the two teams. Cool. Okay. So we've had a look at the past. Everything that we spoke about today has been the past. Time to look forward. And it is uh, college week 13? Yeah, week 13. Week 13. So, wow. Uh, and we're heading towards the end of actually the regular season, even though, isn't it crazy? We're talking about, we're near, we're heading in the next couple of weeks to the end of the regular season. Utah played their first game of the season this past weekend. Yeah. Um, All a bit turvy. So, let's have a look at the games that uh, include a team from the top 25 of the AP rankings. Uh, this will be a great game. Iowa State go to Texas. Uh, Six and two Cyclones, five and two Longhorns uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, one, who was one point five line favourites in this game? Do you reckon Texas? Yeah, yeah. Texans are Texas are favourites by one and a half points. Uh, Notre Dame go to North Carolina as twenty five point favourites. Okay. Um, this might be a this will be a this will be a test for Notre Dame, but twenty yeah. five really. Yeah, that's it. Interesting. Interesting. I think that game will be quite interesting. 100% agree with you. I think so. I mean, 
you know, obviously on the players to watch section, it, it gives you who's got the most passing yards slash touchdowns, uh, rushing stats and receiving stats. And it only gives you one player. And all three of them are North Carolina in Sam Howell, Javante Williams and De'Ami Brown. So uh, argument, actually arguments could say that uh, UNC have more um, weapons. But not sure I'm on the team who are 7-0. and uh, UNC can't play deep. Derby game, big rivalry. They can't, true. Here's the rivalry game that Sifty's been waiting for all his life. Oregon, yeah. Oregon State. Let's see what um, it's all about. The, I know. Don't get fucked, you know. Just don't don't scrap too much or fight too much with people on Twitter or something because we can't actually yeah. touch people at the moment. But um, I would possibly Oregon, say it's Oregon's second rival. I think Washington, in recent years, yeah. tend to be more to Oregon, want to get into punch up. I hate with. them all. <laughs> you hate them all. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, Oregon are 14-point right. favourites in this one. Um, I'm waiting for the first ESPN You Drunk Go Home moment, and I have it. Ohio State against Illinois at the Memorial Stadium in Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> Illinois, 12-and-a-half-point favourites. <laughs> I think here is your first... Here is your first ESPN go home, you're drunk. I genuinely have an issue with your ESPN because my ESPN, maybe my ESPN is just sober, I've got Ohio State 28.5 point favourite. I mean, I had this, I remember when we did this before, I had the same as what Soup Peep had, but yeah. um, I could send you a screenshot if you want, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, why, I, I don't know why it's. I believe you, just think your ESPN is <laughs> drunk, mine's sober. <laughs> I know. Right, well. Let's uh, move on to um, Kentucky fresh off of their fantastically tight first quarter against Alabama. Um, and let's not talk about the 51 points they get up in a row, whatever it is. Uh, they face Florida in uh, the swamp. Florida, 23 and a half point favourites. Does that, do you agree with that one? Is that, is that line up? Yeah. yeah. Was it more for Florida than 23 and a half? I, okay. I think, I think after cool. the last three is fair. You what, sorry? I think after last week's performance, a 23-point line is favourable to Florida. It right. is. It is generous. It is generous. Do you reckon a favourite? You know, I, think, I think it probably should be more. But um, Maryland, Indiana, uh, in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, the Hoosiers are 12-point favourites over Maryland, uh, who've only played three games so far this season. Um, Texas Tech go to Oklahoma State. I've got another one. Texas Tech, 21 and a half point favourites according to my line, which is ridiculous. What have you got in Stillwater? I've got Oklahoma State, 11 point favourites. Yeah, that sounds about right. Surely. Um, Tulsa go to Houston. Uh, Even though Tulsa are the team that are ranked, I've got Houston as 12 point favourites. Houston's one point favourite, I've got. Mm-hmm. That sounds more about right. Uh, Minnesota go to Wisconsin uh, off the back of that big win. I don't think the win's going to make them 24-point favourites <laughs> like my ESPN says it is. <laughs> what what does he always say? 21-point favourite. Wisconsin. What, Minnesota? Wisconsin, 21-point oh, favourite. <laughs> That's a sizable swing. Um, Coastal Carolina go to Texas State as 17-point favourites on my line. Same. Um the Louisiana Raging Cajuns go to UL Monroe. And I know this is wrong because UL Monroe are 0-8 this season. 
but they've been given nine and a half point favourites on my line. That's shocking. That's so wrong. Oh, I'm on my, there's so many wrong with mine. I hope you can make um, these bets because, because you'll be a millionaire next box. week. <laughs> does someone know something I don't? Because also, does someone really think that Auburn uh, at Alabama in the uh, Iron Bowl are going to win by 28 and a half points? <laughs> what is going on? I don't just, know. Just to compare. Um, so I've got Louisiana as a 28 and a half point favourite. I've got Bama as a 24 and a half point favourite. This is really- I mean, that, that's that's right. You know what? I'm going to ask you. You just give me the lines and I'll give you the games. Clemson host Pittsburgh and Clemson are what? 25-point favourite. Yeah, I've got that. Northwestern go to Michigan State as 13.5-point favourites. I feel confident with that one. Yeah. 13.5. Very nice. Uh, two unbeaten teams in the Pac-12. USC host Colorado. USC are 12.5-point favourites. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati... They go to Temple to keep up their uh, unbeaten record. They are 36-point favourites. Yeah. Yeah. Temple now quarterbacked uh, out of interest by uh, former Last Chance U quarterback um, on Netflix, Real Mitchell. He's got a starting job now. QB1, isn't it? Not Last Chance U. Yeah, you're right. It is QB1. I get those two programmes mixed up. Nice call. Yes. QB1. Not last. Lost his job to my main man DJ. <laughs> he did, did indeed. Um, LSU go to Texas A and M. Texas A and M by five and a half is what I've got. I got Texas A and M by fourteen. Yeah, interesting. LSU could really do with causing an upset here. Not going to happen. Could really do with a big win. No, but they could really do with it. <laughs> uh, Georgia go to South Carolina as twenty-one and a half point favorites. And Oklahoma go to West Virginia as 36-point favourites. Ooh, first one I've got when my ESPN's more drunk than you. I've only, got, you got? I've only got them as 11-point favourites. It's not quite as... Uh, I think your, your, yours might be a little bit tipsy. Might <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so Jones, just to round off, please give me your game of the week, the one thing that everyone should watch. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but Suk, which one do you go um, for? I'll move away from Pac-12, but I'm, I want to see Notre Dame and UNC, to be honest. Um, massive fan of Sam Howell. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what Notre Dame can do on offense. I know they did it against Clemson. I just think that was a just a real one-off game. I can see UNC putting up a lot of points on the board, despite obviously Notre Dame being, you know, a very very strong team. I, I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as what the bookies think. Um, you know, despite how tipsy or drunk they are, um, I, I honestly think <laughs> it'll be a lot closer game. I still think Notre Dame will get the win, but I think somehow will come out with it with a lot of more credibility to his belt. Um, you know, they'll run the ball um, as well. You know, because obviously the biggest running team in college football at the minute. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this battle, and it's on a Friday as well. So. A nice start before, you know, the Saturday games as well. Obviously, don't forget, folks, um, obviously with Thanksgiving, we've got some earlier kickoff times this week as well. So do check the schedule. Mm. Some are on a Friday. Um, more games on a Friday than you would normally expect anyway. Exactly. 
And so I'm going to jump in, and I think it's obviously one of us has got to go for the obvious, and I will go for the uh, the Iron Ball, Auburn, Alabama, for sure. But whether I'll be watching it or not is a different question, because I've had to do a trade-off with my family this year. We were planning on Friday to put all the Christmas decorations up uh, and put on some sort of Christmas movie or some sort. But Nebraska are playing Iowa, man. I kind of missed that game. <laughs> Huge game between what my... What Christmas uh, movie are we watching, by the way? And the Buckeyes. <clears throat> oh, I don't know. To kick, to kick off Christmas. Um, what is your... What would be we, your choice? We're a fan what of, would be your personal choice? I... I, I I like a I like a miracle on Thirty yeah, Fourth Street. I like that. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Christmas. Yeah, I, I, we 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 seem to like Christmas in the crowd. Oh yeah, the I love that one as well. That's that's a nice modern one, isn't it? So yeah, it is. And I'm and, and also I, I I'm a I'm quite a, a a basic guy. I do like I do like an elf. Um, yeah, it's just it's just standard. Oh no. Home, Alone, Home yeah. Alone, right? For me, it's Home Alone 2, just because I just, I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love New York. I mean, New York. I, you know, been, been there New three, four times, and each time, you know, I watch it, it just sort of brings back all those nice memories of New York on a winter's day. Um, also, mm. um, a bit of a random one, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. One hundred percent. I adore the. Muppet I could. Christmas I could literally Carol. do a karaoke it's... of that whole film, like myself. Yeah, no problem. Honestly, my all year round, my fiance says um, Mises. You know when it says no cheese yeah. for us, Mises. When they're singing, she, yeah, she yeah, all yeah. year round. We'll call the we'll call them Mises just just because of that film. I love the Christmas Carol. Yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol. Brilliant shout, brilliant shout. But yes, as I said, um, I'm potentially trading off uh, watching Nebraska and Iowa on Friday for doing Christmas stuff on a Saturday. So I, was, I might just sneak it, sneak the old, It's on BT Sport, I think, so I might sneak it on some device. But uh, yeah, but that's definitely one for anyone who's you know not relatively new to college football. I'd stick BT Sport on and watch Alabama Auburn because it'll be a classic, I'm sure. Um, Tristan, round us off. What what would you watch? I think I mentioned it earlier on in the rivalry section of the podcast, and just because it's two new coaches, and I have no idea how this game's going to go, I'm going to go with the old old Miss Mississippi State game. I'm going to go and watch the egg. Mm. I'm going to watch the egg bowl. I just think mm. it's two teams that have no identity yet at the moment because their coaches are still trying to. I, install that and I just think it it's bound to be something crazy and it's bound to be a bit of an odd game and very exciting to watch so I'm going to go with the egg ball great one thing I forgot to mention very quickly um, I don't know if you've seen Ohio State got a commitment from the number one ranked prospect overall in the 2022 class this week in quarterback yeah. Quinn Ewers um, definitely worth mentioning right at the end of the podcast Ohio State getting the guy uh, a shock to anyone uh, I don't know where you is from let's have a little look uh, he's no. from Tex- Texas I'm not really surprised that you is has gone um, to Ohio State it was always sort of on the cards really um, Ohio State will need a quarterback if Justin Fields is you know when 
Um, Justin Fields goes to the draft. They've not got theirs in place as of yet. Clemson solved that problem last year when they um, when they recruited DJ um, to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama have got Bryce Young, so it was really it's the the big schools had already got their quarterback situation a little bit more um, a little bit more settled, and that was it. And depending on you know sort of how you feel, there could be some debate whether he is the number one QB in his class. Um, I know some other people have got, some other pe- some other outlets have got other players higher, but it's it's one of those things. It's, you know, depending on where you get your source um, material from, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, very, very different. But for a, te- for a Texas guy... Which which you as is, you know, if you look at um, Ohio State, cool, so brilliant, right? Okay, well, ladies and gents, thanks very much for joining us for another week of uh, chatting college football. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and yeah, we'll be back again same time next week. Uh, but make sure you check out our Scores on the Doors podcast, which is going to come out earlier this week. It's actually going to come out on Friday to get in there ahead of uh, the Friday schedule. So we're predicting some of the key games from the weekend. Um, and yeah, just a little one. Soup Deep uh, is uh, one, one out this last past week on the Scores on the Doors and has now narrowed that gap uh, to the guests. Um, how are you feeling about that, Soup? Um, playing it safe with my predictions. That's what I was doing last week. So I know you guys now are under pressure to put out these. And to be fair, like you guys came really, really close with some of them as well. So it just goes to show you literally one result away from the whole thing changing. So I'm not, uh, I'm not out of, it's a long way to go still, put it that way. Uh, you know, I could easily finish bottom of this thing. So the, <laughs> so the guests sit top with 75 points. Thanks very much to Carl um, from the Justice Justiceless Fantasy League uh, on YouTube. He joined us last week. Uh, he helped the guests stay in top spot with 75 points. Sukdeep trails him by just four now. He's on 71. And there's me lagging behind Suk by seven, top by 11. I've got 64. And then nine points behind me, 20 points off top is Tristan. Didn't go too well for you this weekend, did it, Tristan? I was close on some. I was close. I <laughs> I might need to stop betting. I might need to start predicting with my gut and go a little bit more logically. Um, sometimes I'm known to just get a gut feeling about something. Like Utah. I had a gut feeling about Utah. That did not work out yeah, for you, me. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, again, some of them were a, a bit far off. But the Utah one maybe wasn't your, your most out there pick. I think Which the one? Oh, right. State might be. I think that one might have two plays. I say that was two plays away from happening. If they had used those two turnovers early on, that's a different game. Ohio State are losing. I was not far off. You all said it would have been a score. So, <laughs> I think this sounds like this. This sounds like this sounds like the the, the angry shoutings of a man who's 20, 20 points off top. Do you? He, he looks like a man who should be in Las Vegas at the minute, just betting on his last trips. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna, that's it, guys. I'm gonna roll. One more round, please. One more round. 
I'm going to all or nothing. Let's go. Up to okay. C this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, please, if you can, just come and join us for the Scores on the Doors uh, shorter podcast on Friday. But yeah, as I said, have a great week. Um, stay safe. I hope your college team wins this weekend as long as you're not a Hawkeyes fan. And yeah, take it easy. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.